0: I'm your host, Gil Martin, I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Okay, so a disappointing effort for the New York Islanders. They fall in Montreal to the Canadiens by a final score of 4-2. And I guess what really has to concern Islander fans more than anything was just the overall lack of effort that the Islanders had in this game. It wasn't so much that they were dominated by Montreal, but they just looked lethargic. You know, the Islanders came into this game with an impressive 14 0 1 record in the last two seasons under Barry Trotz in the second game of back-to-backs. And that speaks to a team's conditioning. It speaks to their mental toughness. It it, it really says a lot about what a team can do. But tonight, the Islanders looked tired. They looked like a team playing the second end of back-to-back road games after coming back from a, a fairly recent three-game trip to California. And it really kind of showed right off the bat. The first couple of minutes, the Canadiens got some good scoring chances off of turnovers. And realistically, it was the play of Tomas Grice that kept the Islanders in the game early. The Islanders had a power play at 9 26 Of the first period when Olofsson went off for holding. But the Islanders unable to come away with any kind of serious pressure. And in fact, Grice had to make a couple of saves overall while the Islanders had the man advantage. And the first period, again, Montreal had the better of the play. The Islanders kind of looked... Just like their passes weren't crisp, they weren't connecting, this wasn't a, you know, they didn't have their legs underneath them, it just overall was not a very strong performance in the first period by the New York Islanders, and it got very sloppy at the end of the period, literally, with .01 seconds left on the clock, Montreal takes a 1-0 lead, and it was one of those plays where it looked like the Islanders sort of stopped skating as Brandon Gallagher came down the ice. He fed Philippe Deneau, and Deneau beats Grice. The clock said 0.1 seconds. They later modified it to 0.7, but... Overall, a goal in the final second of a scoreless period where it seemed like the Islanders had survived that first period, that sluggish first period, without giving up any goals, without any damage, and then Deneau puts home the goal, and it's one to nothing, Montreal, and the Islanders kind of, you know, a little stunned, I think, overall, by the way this... Period ended and rightfully so. And again, it, it almost looked like the Islanders sort of figured on that final rush that that the Canadiens did not have enough time to get down and and do something big. First period, Montreal outshoots the Islanders 12 to seven, but it was a sloppy kind of a period. And the Islanders lost Cal Clutterbuck. He played just a little over two minutes total in this game. Did not return, and, you know, I'd have to say that the Islanders missed him. It showed, first of all, you lose that Suzekis martin clutterbuck line. That line obviously cannot be together if there is no Cal Clutterbuck in the lineup. But the other thing is this, and I, I think this was an important aspect of how the Islanders missed Cal Clutterbuck last night. Clutterbuck is the kind of player... And his line with Zizekas and Martin in addition, you know, they're the kind of line that gives a sluggish team energy. They play a physical, hustling style of hockey and that can change the momentum of a game. That can inspire your teammates. Clutterbuck, not only a physical, you know, determined kind of a player, but also a veteran and a leader. And losing him... Early in this game, I think hindered the Islanders' ability to turn things around when it got a little bit, uh, you know, when they fell behind and they just didn't have really their A game. So after one period, Islanders down one to nothing, And I think the second period was really the worst period that the Islanders played in this game, although, you know, none of them were particularly strong. So, first of all... Barry Trotz had to mix and match his lines because, again, they're down a forward no-cal Clutterbuck. And you saw some combinations. Dal Cole went out there with Zizekas and Martin. Bailey, Nelson, and Eberly were put together. So you saw Trotz trying very hard to get some kind of a spark, but he wasn't really able to find it. Grice, with a few... Very good saves. Uh, Matthew Pekka had a very good scoring chance midway through the period, but Grice makes a pad save on that one and keeps it a one to nothing game. And, you know, we talked in our preview yesterday about how vulnerable Montreal has been defensively, that they haven't played well on defense, and yet the Islanders, with their sluggish play, were not able to take advantage. And eventually, you know, when you're giving up quality chances the way the Islanders were, somebody is going to poke the puck home. Brendan Gallagher does the honors. His 11th goal of the year at 13:30 of the second period, Assist to Shea Weber and Philip Deneau. And all of a sudden, that 1-0 game becomes a 2-0 game. And... Basically, you know, it was one of those plays where, again, hustling could have made a difference. You had a high shot by Shea Weber, and Grice got his glove on it but couldn't squeeze it, and Gallagher pounced on the rebound in the crease. The Islanders seemed to be almost standing around, not hustling, not boxing out. Couldn't stop Gallagher, and it was an easy poke home. There was some discussion as to whether or not the puck had been touched by a high stick, but in the end they ruled that Gallagher's stick was not too high, the goal counted and it was two to nothing in favor of Montreal. The Islanders behind the eight ball, they had a power play uh late in that second period as you know, first Jeff Pet- uh, Petri called for holding Barzal at 16:49, and then at 18:54, just after that first power play expires, Carey Price uh, ends up slashing Brock Nelson, and Petri goes right back into the penalty box to serve that penalty. But again, down to nothing with a chance to really get back into the hockey game. Really, two chances. The Islanders' power play comes up empty both times, and as a result, after 40 minutes, the Islanders trailed by two. The Islanders weren't playing with a lot of hunger, but if you have hunger, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you could find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com backslash offers. So after 40 minutes, the Islanders were being outshot by a margin of 25 to 13, and I believe 7 of their 13 shots had come on the power play and there was a little encouraging sign you know at the end of the period uh Zizekis and Thompson sort of have a little scuffle and you could tell that Casey Sizikis was trying to fu- fire up his team get his team back into the game but the Islanders just could not do it. They had that power play in the first minute of the third period, but they weren't able to get anything going. In fact, if anything, Montreal had the better chance at that one. And, you know, at the end of the day, quickly after the power play expires, Petri scores his third, Nick Suzuki, the lone assist at 2:12. And all of a sudden it's three-nothing. And it would came right off the face-off. And Petri circles back, lets one go from the blue line, and Grice almost, you know, clearly didn't see it, didn't really react much to the shot. And at 3-0, you knew the Islanders were in trouble. But credit to this team. Down by three goals early in the third period, they do not quit. And 41 seconds after the third Montreal goal, the Islanders get on the board. It was Scott Mayfield with a blast from the middle of the, uh, just inside the blue line, not at either point, but kind of in the middle, just inside the blue line, a crowd of players in front, and it was clearly Carey Price who was screened, couldn't see it. Mayfield with a seeing eye one-timer that makes it a 3 to 1 hockey game at 253 of the third period it was Mayfield's fourth jordan eberly and ryan pulak with the assist and i'll tell you eberly one of the lone bright spots for the islanders offensively at least you know he picks up an assist here on this goal but overall eberly playing after the two goals he scored you know on monday night against detroit you could see he was a lot more confident with the puck throughout last night's game. Now the Islanders, you would think, down three to one, would have picked things up, but they really were not able to do that, and it, it was a tough situation for the Islanders. They just, it just, they did not have. They really did not have uh, the afterburners on this one. So, Grice left the game at the 12:20 mark of the third period. Apparently, he ended up needing some skate repairs. Varlamov came on, played 39 seconds of action, and then at the next stoppage, Grice gets back out there and manages to finish the game. Now, the Islanders staying tough They did manage to get something going late. And with 2.29 left in regulation time, Matthew Barzal scores and Letty and Bailey with the assists. Barzal's 11th goal of the season, and it's a one-goal hockey game with 2.29 to go. And I think the best part about that, you could hear the confidence of Islander fans growing as they anticipated that this team might just be able to find that little extra something. They pull the goalie and hope for the best, but an empty net goal by Shea Weber with 28 seconds remaining. Nate Thompson, the former Islander with the lone assist, Weber's ninth goal, clinches a 4-2 win for the Montreal Canadiens. The Islanders falling and you know, one of those games you get the feeling they should have or could have uh, played better. And the quote from Barry Trotz after the game, and I have to agree with him, you know, was, we're not going to win if we have some passengers. And clearly the Islanders did have some passengers tonight in this disappointing game. Uh, looking at the statistics overall, uh Again, in the face-off circle, Brock Nelson doing his job, winning 13 out of 22 for 59%. And Derek Broussard, uh winning his only face-off. He had just the one. Uh, Casey Sizikas, a better day in the face-off circle, 14 out of 20. And Leo Komarov, 4 out of 5. So the Islanders actually played very well in the face-off circle. Matt Martin, again, leading the team in hits with eight in just under 13 minutes of ice time. Five hits apiece for Brassard and uh, Del Call and Komarov. Uh, meanwhile, on defense, Scott Mayfield with a goal, Nick Letty and Ryan Pulak getting assists, but overall, again, not the kind of effort that you really expect from the New York Islanders. Outshot, really outplayed, for most of this contest, and it showed the scratches uh, this time out. Noah Dobson, again, sitting in this one out on the blue line, and Ross Johnston and Otto Koivola were the scratches for the Islanders uh, on among the forwards in a game that, realistically, they didn't play well. And when you look at this shot chart as to where teams took shots, first of all, you can see immediately how many more shots Montreal took in this game than the Islanders. But unusual for the Islanders, you see a lot of shots from the slot, from beneath the circles, from just outside the crease. And, you know, it wasn't just the number of chances that Montreal created. It was the quality of those chances. And when the Islanders didn't have the man advantage, they really were not able to sustain Very much offense. Look, over the course of an 82-game season, you're going to have some disappointing or lackluster performances, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of response Barry Trotz gets as a result of this game and how he adjusts his lineup and his line combinations uh, in the next game coming up against the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we've got more to talk about here on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We have this date in Islanders history, plus our weekly farm report. More to come right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so it's time for this date in Islanders history. We take you all the way back to December 4th, 1976 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Islanders, 16-7-3 against the Buffalo Sabres, 13-7-3. Two quality teams going at it. The goaltenders in this game, former Islander Jerry Desjardins for Buffalo and Glenn Chico Resch for the Islanders, a crowd of 14,865 On hand at the Coliseum. And the Islanders got on the board early in the game. Just one minute and 31 seconds in. Brian Trottier gets his fourth goal of the season. Billy McMillan with the only assist. And after 20 minutes, it was 1-0 Islanders. Just to tell you how different the game was back then. A battle between two number one centers... Brian Trottier and Gilbert Perreault of Buffalo uh, going at each other midway through that first period. Trottier got two for high sticking, Perreault two for roughing. Those penalties coming at 11-25. It stayed 1-0 until midway through the second period when Trottier scored again. Assists to Ed Westfall and Billy McMillan, so McMillan picks up his second helper, And it was two to nothing in favor of the Islanders. The Islanders add to their lead in the third period as Clark Gilley scores his 10th assist to Ed Westfall and Dennis Potman. So Billy McMillan and Ed Westfall each with two helpers in this one, Brian Trottier with a pair of goals, but the hero of the game for the Islanders. Glenn Chico Resch, 37 saves for Resch as the Islanders win a shutout for Chico. And the Islanders win it despite being outshot 37-26 to in this game. And, you know, Buffalo had double-digit shots on goal in all three periods, including outshooting the Islanders in that second period, 15-8. But Resch comes through, gets the job done, and the Islanders skate away with the victory. Three Islanders were a plus. plus, uh, four Islanders rather, were a plus three in this game. The defensive pairing of Dennis Potvin and Jerry Hart, and then the forwards, Ed Westfall and Brian Trachier Billy McMillan, was a plus two, and... Of all players to lead the Islanders in shots in this game, Jean Potvin with six leading the way for the Isles. Chico Resch with the shutout. The Islanders get the win. All on this date in Islanders history, December 4th, 1976. Okay, time for the Farm Report now as we talk about what's happening down in Bridgeport, the Islanders' AHL affiliate. They had a busy three game weekend over the Thanksgiving holiday. First on Wednesday night last week, that was November twenty-seventh. The Sound Tigers won at Springfield, beating the Thunderbirds by a score of three to two. Christopher Gibson in goal makes thirty-seven saves to earn the victory. But Gibson suffered a lower body injury in this game and missed the rest of the weekend. Mason Jobst with a goal, as well as Arno, uh, Arno Dardando and Kiefer Bellows. That's the third straight win overall for Bridgeport, who is starting to come around after a sluggish start to the season. After being off on Thanksgiving Friday night, Springfield comes to Bridgeport to play the second part of that home-and-home. And, home. and the Sound Tigers skate away with their fourth straight win, a 4-1 to one victory. Travis St. Denis with two goals for the Sound Tigers. Kiefer Bellows and Matt Larito also score. Jared Coro was in goal. He was injured, and he was replaced by Jakub Skarek, who finished up, but in the end... A four-game winning streak for the Sound Tigers and a 4-1 to victory. And nice to see Kiefer Bellows score in back-to-back games. That's only his second and third goals of the year. He had a goal and an assist in the first game. And, you know, again, Bellows kind of struggling, not living up to the expectations of being a first-round pick. And getting him going is a good sign down in Bridgeport. Saturday... The 30th of November, the Sound Tigers closed out the month with a loss on the road at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, losing to the Penguins. Matt Lurito and Parker Weatherspoon with the goals. Weatherspoon, that was his first 29 saves for Scarrick in a losing cause, but a successful holiday weekend for the Sound Tigers as they take two out of three games. The coming week, also a busy one here for the Sound Tigers. They have two road games over the weekend and then a home game on Monday. So, Friday night of this week, they'll be at the Utica Comets. That game, a 7 o'clock start. Saturday, they are in Syracuse to take on the Syracuse Crunch. Also a 7 o'clock start. And then after an off day on Sunday, The Sound Tigers return home on Monday, December 9th, to host the Utica Comets. That game also a 7 o'clock Eastern Time start. So three games this week, upcoming for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And the good news for Bridgeport fans and for Islander fans, with their win streak and their recent improved play, the Sound Tigers are now out of the basement of the Atlantic Division in the AHL they are in 7th place with a record of 8-12-3 and 1 that puts them ahead of the Charlotte Checkers they are 3 points behind the Hershey Bears if they want to move up to 6th place although the Bears do have one game in hand so every Wednesday we look at the farm report talk about who's hot who's not some of the injuries Right now, the goaltending situation, iffy uh, for the Sound Tigers as they lost their top two goalies over the weekend to at least, you know, injuries that kept them out of the lineup for the rest of the weekend. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, if you have a comment, a question, or something that's on your mind, you can email the show at... Lockdown Islanders at gmail.com. Just leave your name and where you're from, and we're happy to read your question or comment on the air. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. You could also follow me on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. So we'll keep you up to date on Twitter for about everything happening in the New York Islanders world. That's going to do it for us today. We will be back tomorrow to preview the Islanders' home game against the Vegas Golden Knights, and that should be an interesting one. And uh, we will also have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more coming up on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks, as always, for listening. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.